minutes open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the challenge to every heart. And Lord, if there be anybody here that is not saved, we ask that the Spirit of God will have his way and his will in their life. Certainly, as a child of God, if we're simply not doing that which you would have us to do, may the Spirit speak to our heart. May we make the corrections. May we leave today saying it's good to have been in the house of the Lord. Thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. When we come to Luke chapter 10, we come to a topic called the Good Samaritan. And I ask the question to you, heart and mind, are we Good Samaritans? What is a Good Samaritan? The topic, as you read it, Jesus explains it well enough, but you have to ask that question, what does it take to be a Good Samaritan? I'm in verse 25 of Luke 10. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. That's Deuteronomy 6. And then he tacked on Leviticus 19, And thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, Thou hast answered right, this do. You want to do something, this do, and thou shalt live. And he, desiring to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus set forth a parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, who stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that uh, way, and when he saw him, do you mark words in your Bible? Circle saw, draw a line to the side of the page. That's the word glanced. The priest glanced his way, and then he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, he came, he looked, he observed, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and he saw, circle that word, that's gaze, he, he gazed upon him, and he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, uh, the oil for the healing, the wine, alcohol for the antiseptic. And he set him on his own beast, and he brought him to the inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the host, and he said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer, notice he could not say Samaritan, there's a reason for that. He said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, do thou likewise. Now, when we come to such a situation as this, we need to be understanding, of course, this uh, highly intelligent, educated lawyer of the Mosaic law. He simply come to the Lord and he said, um, This eternal life, how is it derived? How can I have this life that you speak of? 
What can I do, verse 25? By the way, if you mark your Bibles, put bad theology. He knew he had to do something. It was some kind of work, something he had to do. But we have people like that today. You have some think you have to be baptized to be saved. Some think you have to take communion to be saved. Some think you have to be uh, doing this, doing that. You have to belong to a certain church to be saved. Uh, there's people today with bad theology. And his was bad. What can I do? And Jesus said, um, what think you that the law teaches? He knew that. Uh, he knew he was an uh, educated lawyer. He knew the Mosaic law. There was no question that Jesus knew what he was going to respond, and he did. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as thyself. Knowing he could not do that, he then justified himself. He said, but who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Usually when people are confronted with the truth and they don't want to repent, they don't want to change, they try criticism. Uh, that's the next thing to follow. Uh, they try to get into a controversy. The lawyer wanted to debate the truth. Jesus wanted to declare the truth. The lawyer wanted to get in a discussion. Jesus wanted to get into a demonstration. So he gives us this parable to demonstrate the very aspect of some things that you and I should be doing. Things that every child of God should be doing. And I think you would readily agree with me. There's a lot of folks who talk about Bible truth and really don't deliver the Bible truth in their daily lives. After all is said and done, more is said than done. Jesus gives us a story. And by the way, he does not present who is the neighbor. The guy said, who's my neighbor? Jesus doesn't give you that. He doesn't give him that. Um, it's a spiritual truth, not a social truth. And uh, for our little roadmap that I think we ought to follow for the next few odd minutes and the time that we have for the message, I want to give you three things, if you take notes. First, we're going to look at the condition of the stranger. Secondly, we're going to look at the compassion of the Samaritan. Third, and this is important, the commission of the Savior. The Bible says a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. That was common in the Lord's day. From Jerusalem to Jericho is approximately 15 miles. And if you travel that road, one of the things that when we were there many years ago, I marveled the fact that there's places in that road that there's caves off to the side. Any band of thieves could hide in one of the caves and uh, it could be a very dangerous place. It was common to be robbed. Most did not want to travel by themselves at all when they take that journey. Here is a man that Jesus said was assaulted. Uh, these thieves, according to the word of God, Jesus said he was stripped, he was beaten, he was wounded, and they departed. They left him there. He's assaulted. He's beaten, he's battered, he's left half dead. Now, I know I want to make some, something clear here because we're going to move along with this story, but how many people today do you know exactly that way? Jesus said this, the devil is a thief and a robber. He comes to kill and to destroy. Peter said, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. There are individuals that sit in churches that are as lost as lost can be, and they've been beaten, they've been robbed, they've been taken everything. They just don't realize it. 
They don't have the blessings of God on a daily life. They don't have the matter that they're going to heaven. They may think they're going to heaven, but they can't really say because after all, they've never accepted Jesus Christ. Oh, if that's you, anybody here today, and you honestly can't say, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I repented of my sins, and I accepted him in my heart. He, and he alone, saves the soul. So here is Jesus painting this picture. The man, he's assaulted. He is left half dead. And um, by the way, um, just so you know, and I'm not running too far out, uh, Acts 26, 18 says, Paul talking about, he said, their eyes was opened from the power of darkness to the power of light. That's what happens when you receive Jesus Christ. When you're sitting there and you aren't receiving the blessing, you don't have any of these things going for you, and the devil has assaulted you, he's lied to you, he's cheated you, he's done everything under the sun, keeping you from going to the blessed glory of Jesus Christ. Well, um, you go from darkness to light. I'll never forget. All of us, every child of God, the pastor says we all have a story. Now, sometimes I question that story. Probably shouldn't. For instance, we all have a story. Jesse can tell you where he got saved, how he got saved. I can tell you a story, how I got saved. I can tell you when he received Jesus Christ. Every child of God has a story. But you've got to be careful. Over the many years, I've been talking to individuals, and I say something like this. I say, well, now what church do you go to? Or do you, have you received Jesus Christ? You'd be amazed. Oh, my, I did that. My mother took me when I was this big, and they threw water on me. They told me about it. didn't remember. I've been baptized frequently. I'm okay. They have a story. <laughs> but it's not a story of glory. It's not a story of Jesus Christ. So I'm not so interested in your story. I'm interested in the fact that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the very fact that you know him, that you asked him into your heart and life. Jesus said this man was assaulted and he was abandoned. When you read this and you realize that he, he said he's abandoned, a certain priest came down. Uh, a priest. That's religion with its ritual. The priest took care of the sacrifices in the temple. The priest took care of offering up sacrifices on behalf of the people. It's a form of organized religion. And the priest, he saw him. Uh, he glanced. And he thought, man, that's pretty dangerous. I better cross to the other side. So he abandoned him. And then not too long after that, a Levite, Jesus said, the Levite represents religion. The Levites, they were the ones that had to do with the choir. They were the ones that had to do with the maintenance of the temple. He came, and he did not. See, the priest was calloused. The priest said, man, get away from that. Man, you get hurt there. The Levite wasn't calloused. He was concerned. He took time to observe, and then he left. <coughs> he didn't stop. You see, when you read this, you realize that whether calloused or concerned, the result was the same. Neither did anything. According to Jesus, in verse 32, the Levite saw it, and he passed by the other side. So you notice that both passed. Neither one did anything. Whether you're callous or just concerned, if you don't do something, there's no help. It really makes no difference at all. To every child of God, oh, may our heart not get callous. May we not get concerned about the things of God. 
you sometimes have a person say, you know, that little church over there, boy, they used to have all kinds of cars in the parking lot. They don't anymore. wonder what's going on. They're concerned, but that's about it. No result. Until you do something, the result is nothing. Jesus said he was assaulted. He was abandoned. The thieves and the theologians have a lot in common. They assault him. They abandon him. The theologian avoids and abandons. Organized religion has never done anything for the soul of man. We know that. Uh, they have their programs. It's a social religion, not a spiritual religion. It's social. They don't do anything that affects the soul of an individual. Psalm 142.4 says, I looked to my right hand and there was no man. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Please hear me. Not far from where you live and where I live, there is somebody hurting. What does it take to be a good Samaritan? What is it that we should be doing as to be a good Samaritan? Sometimes a factory worker, your co-worker comes in, they talk about their marriage falling apart. They talk about the money uh, problems they're having. They talk about life just being hopeless. I mean, every day, right? you know, there is no getting ahead at all. No one cares about my soul. You know, we all seem to think that everybody knows about Jesus Christ. We seem to think in America, who in America could not know the gospel? 1996, I was preaching revival in Friendship Baptist Church. What they did during revival, the, on Tuesday, we started on Sunday morning, on Tuesday, all the men of the church met at a restaurant and we prayed. We prayed for those coming. We prayed for those we invited. We had certain things. And there was probably 25, maybe 35 of us there. Quite a few. And the waitress that came through, she was taking care of everything. And I said to her, I said, are you from Annapolis? Well, she said, about eight years. I said, oh, okay. What church do you go to? That's always no. Don't say, are you saved? Are you lost? Something. What church do you go to? She looked at me. She said, I work on Sunday. I said, do you ever ask Christ into your heart? Believe the gospel, the fact that he died for your sins. He was put on a cross. And his, his death gave us life everlasting. She goes, I've never heard that. In 1996, in America, a person could say, I never heard that. And one of the gentlemen sitting beside me, he said, you never heard the gospel? She said, well, I was always told you got to go to church, but I work every Sunday. She thought going to church got her saved. You'd be surprised how many people think that. We have a message, and we need to be sharing it. In America, you wouldn't think that. This man was assaulted by thieves. He was abandoned by religion. He was avoided by humanity. The condition of the stranger. And then Jesus moves us over to the compassion of the Samaritan. Look in verse 33, if you would. He says, a certain Samaritan, he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw a gaze, he didn't glance, he observed to the point that he knew he was dying. He had compassion on him. Now, there's one thing that we probably ought to mention here. The Jew, the reason the lawyer couldn't say the Samaritan, because the Samaritans, they considered half Jew. They had inbred. They wasn't pure Jew, according to them. So the Samaritans and Jews had no dealings whatsoever. It was highly irregular for that. And we thought racial issues was something current. 
long time ago, people have been racial. But at least they knew what it was about. I don't have time to run that rabbit. You honestly believe that individuals want to take down the Washington Monument? Can you believe that? Now, they haven't figured this out. Book of Larry Lang. Larry and I were talking to Harbinger. I'm not promoting the book of the Harbinger, but uh, Jonathan Don has a, quite a, a statement there. In New York City, where the tower set, where it fell at ground zero, there in the sycamore, to the left of that is where the first president of the United States was sworn in, George Washington. The capital wasn't in Washington, D.C., it was in New York. And there, his first thing he did with the cabinet was not write a bill, not do any of that. They went over to the sycamore and prayed that God would give America exactly what it needs under God for one nation. Now don't tell them because now they want to take down the rest of part of New York <laughs> The compassion of the Samaritan. Are you a good Samaritan? What a question. I hear someone performing something good. They find a pocketbook with money in it and they find the owner with the money intact and headlines, good Samaritan. They did something. Is that really what a good Samaritan is? Let me give you what Jesus said. He said he stopped. Others passed the man by. Are you aware of the problem that most Christians have is we're so busy? We just don't stop. When's the last time you're driving down the road and offsets a car and a person standing there looking at it might have the hood up and you drive by and you go, my goodness, what a hot day to be broke down. We don't stop. We don't pay attention. He said he stopped. This man that had been assaulted, this man that had been abandoned, this man that had been avoided by humanity, he stopped to check out the need. Aren't you glad when you read the scripture how the Lord Jesus Christ stopped? Luke chapter 8. Dr. Luke says, a woman with an issue, she had a hemorrhage consistent. And he said the doctors couldn't do anything for her. I like that Dr. Luke is being a medical doctor. He's a man they tried. They couldn't do a thing for him. Bill kind of justifying the profession of doctors. And he said, she came. You remember the story. She said, if I but could touch the garment of the great physician, Jesus of Nazareth. And the crowd was bearing in. And, Jesus, and she did. She touched the garment. And Jesus stopped. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples there Man, the crowd, what do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's elbowing everybody. He stopped and took care of the need of the woman. You know the story. Aren't you glad he stops when we call, when we have a need, when we reach out to touch the Son of God? <clears throat> Mark chapter 10. Blind Bartimaeus. He is seated by the roadside, and all this crowd and havoc is taking place. And he says, What's going on? What's going on? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth coming by. The, you know, the one, that, the great preacher, the one who claims life. And Barnabas started crying, waving his arms. Jesus, our son of David, Jesus, our son of David. You remember the story. And the crowd tried to hush him. And Jesus stopped 
and lead him to me. And he took care of blind Bartimaeus. When you read that word of stop, illustrated by our Lord Jesus Christ, are you a good Samaritan? Do you just stop? Are you considerate? He not only stopped, he saw with observation. He gazed upon him. He saw not just the hurt, he saw the need for help. <coughs> Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Do we look for opportunities? We're to see. Pastor mentioned Wednesday night a passage in Scripture. Jesus said, don't say four months in the harvest. Look into the fields, they're white in the harvest now. I'm convinced that as a family of faith, there are times that opportunities are all around us, but we don't take the opportunity. You're standing in line to pay for your groceries. Now, you're not aggravated. You got the sign here says 20 items or less. You're not lying, so you got 12 items, 10. But the one in front of you has 50 items in the car. That doesn't bother you, but it's obviously you go, well, thank God that they're not going hungry. And the person behind you, they're looking the same way. And what an opportunity. Do you see that as kind of a mob or a ministry? How do you see it? You can turn around and say, no. God really does bless us, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm thankful for his goodness. And you ask, what church do you go to? That's always an opener. What church do you you would be surprised if people said, well, I really don't go to church. Man, what an opportunity to start talking about the Son of God. The importance of church. But we know that. We're here. And so we sometimes miss the opportunity. We go to the mall. We see mobs. We don't see ministry. The priest and the Levite, what did they see? Dangerous situation. The Samaritan, what did he see? A dying soul. What do you see when you look around? Do you see people that's lost? Do you see people who have needs? They're like flashing neon signs saying, I need help, I need help. Now they don't say it because they're lost. The Samaritan Jesus said he stopped, he saw, he sensed, S-E-N-S-E-D, he had compassion. Compassion is an emotion that you and I have. It simply means your pain in my heart. He saw the need and he senses the need he has needs, tremendous needs that need to take place. You see, you will never heal the need that you feel the need. So sometimes we become professional, not personal. He moved with compassion. The little book of Jude, only 25 verses, that little book right before Revelation, it says on verse 22, of some have compassion, making the difference. Compassion makes a difference. To have somebody knock on your door. You know, uh, snow's pretty deep, and I noticed you haven't been out the driveway, and I'd be glad to help shovel that. We got winter coming on, but we got 16 days to thaw. Don't shoot me, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> How do we sense the need of others? We stop, we sense, we look, we saw. How do we sense the need of emptiness? Individuals that just need a visit. I mentioned in Sunday school about visiting Linda Ambrose, and 
Linda had been at Johnsontown with me for many years, sang in the choir. Her husband, Earl, he reminded me yesterday, he said, we met when you had my father's funeral. And I thought, I thought, man, that's 20 years ago. 21 years ago. We always had a good working relationship. She now is blind, sitting in a chair. He takes care of making sure the insulin and whatever else. Oh, just not good. Don't just keep going in life like nobody has needs. She mentioned how blessed she was that Sister Barbara Inman had visited Thursday or Wednesday or something and just encouraged her. You know, people have needs. And so Jesus is giving you and I this Samaritan idea. Are we a good Samaritan? He said he stopped, he saw, he sensed there's a need. And he sacrificed. According to verse 34, he bound up his wounds, he poured in the oil and the wine, the oil for healing, the wine for the antiseptic, the alcohol. He set him on his feast and he brought him to the end. He sacrificed his time. He took his time. Well, you say, preacher, he just helped him up and took him to an end. No. He stayed all night. Somebody that is beaten that bad, the swelling, the, the bleeding, is it going to stop? He spent all night. I didn't read that. Yes, you did. Watch verse 34. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. He set him on his own beast. He brought him to an end, took care of him. And on the next day, don't miss that, that night he stayed up sacrificing his time for this man that he knew not that had a need that he was willing to try to help. We know he gave time, he sacrificed. He sacrificed his toil, and when I say that, P-O-I-L, his labor, he worked, toiled all night, ministering first aid. If the swelling was on, he tried to keep it swelling down. He tried to make sure the bleeding stopped. And then, after caring for him, he took his time, he sacrificed his toil, his treasure, well, you say it didn't cost him that much. Well, he carried the half-dead man, beaten, bloodied, and battered to his beast. His garment would have been somewhat ruined, maybe have to be replaced. Uh, his oil and his wine, he sacrificed. He all carried that for that very reason, to, for medicinal purposes. He gave money. According to verse 35, it said, on the next day when he departed, he took out two denera. Two denera, that is two days' wages. And when it says he took out, he didn't get it out and say, well, man, what's the Lord expecting of me? My goodness, this really cost me. He didn't say that. He handed it to the innkeeper and he said, take care of him. And if there's more, I'll pay you in my return visit. How much does God require of us? He didn't glance, he gazed. He stopped, saw, sensed, he sacrificed. The spirit of the Good Samaritan, and Jesus is teaching this, but surely it affects you, it affects me, the house of God. What does it take to be a Good Samaritan? We look at the condition of the stranger. He's assaulted by thieves, abandoned by religion, he's avoided by humanity. The compassion of the Samaritan, he stopped, he saw, he sensed, and he sacrificed time and treasure. Now the spiritual truth that Jesus wants all of us to apply 
is the commission of the Savior. He doesn't let any of us off the hook on this. We come to the house of God as a child of God. We sing the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. We sing the song of all the attributes of God. What a blessing. The ministry of music to our heart. The ministry of message to our soul. We talk about the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Most of us know that. Jesus said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them uh, to uh, do all things across the land, presenting the gospel. Um, watch what he said in verse 36. Jesus said to this man, Which now of the three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And the lawyer wasn't about to say Samaritan because that was taboo to him. Oh, my goodness. He that showed mercy. Now watch this and don't miss it. Go and do thou likewise. Uh, go. That, that's a commission. It simply means the authorized task. The commission of the Savior said, okay, the God in heaven says you're authorized. Go and do likewise. You stop. You see. You sin. You sacrifice. And lives can be changed. Do we stop to help? Are we in a mode of, by nature, just busy, busy, busy? As Christians, we do things right. I'm not, I'm not talking about crazy things. We go home. We have a meal. We watch good things on TV. Nothing wrong with having television. Some people say, Pete, no. You got a channel selector. If there's something not on it, you shouldn't watch. Turn the channel. That's all. No problem. We do good things. We come to the house of God. We serve him in whatever capacity. We try to teach the word of God. We sing in the choir. We teach junior church. We help in ministries. We don't come just to sit soaking sour. There's things we can do. Those things change. We know that. Sometimes you get to the age where the best thing you can do is continually pray. Make a short visit. I still can drive. I still can do. But we do things. Jesus said, stop and help. We all can be a good Samaritan. Don't be calloused. Don't be concerned only. Be compassionate. When was the last time that you took time to visit somebody you thought was lost? Just talk about the Lord. When was the last time you saw this need, you knew there was a need, but you didn't do anything? You see, it's not the programs in the church that will help. Programs are good, but it's not programs. It's the people. It's God's people. It's you. It's me. Will you let him use you? In the bulletin, we've been running help needed, help needed, help needed. Why can't we get somebody to work in junior church or Sunday school? Why can't we get others so they don't have to spend the whole month there? Why? Because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Preacher, you don't understand my circumstance. Um, I don't know if God does. 
We come to the house of God to enjoy the blessings of God, to leave saying it's good to have been in the house of the Lord. But I don't really want to do anything. Should never be. We should always be looking for opportunities to serve him. We should be stopping to help. Not callous, not just concerned, but stop to help. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. She was coming to the piano. Jonathan's come. We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. I do not know your heart. I know that if you're not saved, you know it. I don't question that for one minute. I believe that we know when we have the Son of God in our heart. So, the message primarily is to the family of faith. It always is. Are we doing what we should be doing as the family of faith? Having compassion? I thank God. I thank God for things that people do that nobody even knows about. Many, many years we've had a program where we help feed families at Thanksgiving. We help at Christmas. People give to that. We help at camp for children. Amazing. You listen to testimonies at a pastoral conference and they talk about how somebody sent them to camp. It changed their life. They are a servant of God because of it. People give to that. You see, we do things and God blesses us. As a Christian today, are you committed to him? He commissioned you. He said, go. Do likewise. If you're not doing that, as we sing the song of invitation, maybe. The Spirit of God will speak to your heart. You have an opportunity to bow a knee at the altar of God and say, Lord, I will do better. I'm not doing as I should. But, oh, God, thank you for your grace, mercy, and thank you for stopping on my behalf. Bless the invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jonathan, what page are we singing? Page 488. Page 488. As you say in page 488, I don't know what your heart is like today. I know this. I know he wants us to do certain things. He wants us to be the child of God that he would have us to be. If honestly in your head and heart you can't say that's me, then you ought to come. As we say. As we say. Sing it up. Mean every word. Sing it up. Testimony to him. But as if you need to come, the altar's open.
stop for him if you have need. If you don't, pray for those that are calling. Pray that the Spirit will have his way and will in every life. so good nobody has to hurry that's at the altar did not mean to do that sometimes us short people can't see over on the other side of the pulpit so <laughs> our God is a great God is he not <clears throat> don't forget six o'clock seating five if you're in the choir or more like join the choir but six o'clock your conscience oh what a topic we all have it why is it so fumbled around and frustrated out in society he tells you that. You're going to take the word of God and see that. Brother Jesse, how about if you come up here, close in word of prayer, so I can grab my wife on the way out the door. Shake your hand. Thank you for coming. Pray for the pastor. I think I'm correct. I think the funeral is taking place now, around 11 o'clock. God bless you, Jesse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the words that we preach. Father, we thank you for your clarity, for your word. We thank you for our pastors, Lord, that they can break the bed of life to us, Lord. We thank you for this church, our congregation, our church family. We pray for the needs here, Lord, physical, spiritual. Lord, we pray right now for Pastor Scott and Tracy and uh, Dan and Crystal and those that went to the Lane Wright funeral. Father, we pray for that family, Lord, that you'll give them that peace that passes all understanding, Lord. And Lord, let this be a great day and victory in Jesus as we go to this place and bring it back tonight we can fellowship together and hear your word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.